Hello and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host, Tyler Callahan, and there is a lot of news to go over, quite a bit. We have our box office numbers, of course, with the Eras Tour opening in a lot of countries around the world. We also have a new twist in the actor strike, streaming updates, and more. Let's start with the domestic top five. It comes as no surprise, but Taylor Swift's The Eras Tour debuted in first place with 92.8 million. Dropping to second place was The Exodus Believer with 10.9 million for a total of 44.9 million. Third place was Paw Patrol The Mighty Movie with 6.8 million for a total now $49.7 million. Fourth place was Saw X with 5.6 million for a total of 41.4 million. And in fifth place was The Creator with 4.3 million for a total of 32.4 million. So Taylor Swift did not open above 100 million for its opening weekend, but still, almost 93 million is really, really good. Social media was going off over the weekend with fans singing and dancing in screenings. And the film's reported budget is between 10 to 20 million, so it's already making a profit. As for records broken, it is now the second biggest opening weekend ever in October, right behind Joker. It had the biggest debut for a concert film, and for AMC, the film now has the biggest opening weekend at the theater chain. So for Taylor Swift and AMC, this was a fantastic weekend for them. As for the other films, The Exorcist had an okay drop of just under 60%, and will definitely hit 50 million domestically, and maybe even 75 million if they're lucky. But again, for how much we'll spend, this is not what Universal was expecting or hoping for. In China, Under the Light stayed in first place for the third weekend in a row with 13.1 million, for a total now of 160.4 million. In second place was The Volunteer, which moved up again from last weekend. It earned 9.1 million, for a total of 91.6 million dollars. Third place was The X-Files 4 Marriage Plan with 8.6 million for a total of 121.2 million. Fourth place was The Moscow Mission with 8.1 million with a total now of 75.1 million. And in fifth place was Lose to Win with 2.1 million for a total of 20.8 million dollars. As for international numbers, The Eras Tour earned 30.7 million for a worldwide opening weekend of 123.5 million. So very domestic heavy, but part of that could be due to the late notice of it uh, releasing worldwide. Domestically, people have known for over a month when it was coming out. They've had time to plan, buy tickets, and also have to consider. This really is the first time AMC is distributing a movie, not just domestically, but internationally. So again, having to work with other theaters and companies around the world to get deals done it's probably a bit of a learning curve for them. The film will be adding more countries on November 3rd, where it will open in Romania, Malaysia, Turkey, and Indonesia, among others. Paw Patrol The Mighty Movie earned another $24.5 million for a worldwide total of $126.4 million. The Exorcist Believer earned $15.9 million for a total of $85 million worldwide. The Creator made $5.9 million for a worldwide total now of 79.1 million, and Paramount has started doing a slow rollout of Trolls Band Together. It debuted in five countries and earned 1.35 million. 
As we switch to news in Hollywood, let's stick with the box office for a minute. Disney has pulled the bike riders from its release, which was set for December 1st. It was being released by 20th Century Studios for New Regency and is now undated. While it makes sense to push it off that date, as that is when Beyonce's film Renaissance comes out, I do find it odd that they didn't announce a new release date at all. With that being the case, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't come out until 2024, maybe in the spring. Also, while not official yet, Deadline is exclusively reporting that Deadpool 3 will be pushed back. They are reporting that Marvel Studios will be delaying the film, and even if the strikes ended right now, they would not be ready for a May release. This isn't surprising, as I think they only shot about half of the movie. So while yes, they have been editing whatever they recorded, whatever they filmed, you'd still need to film the other half, edit, and do special effects all in about 6-7 months. And considering the VFX getting worse at Marvel Studios with so much content coming out, so many changes, uh, they'd be smart to push it back until it's properly ready. I could see a July-August release, and if not then, I'd say next November. Deadline also released an early box office look for the Marvels, and it's not looking good, with the expected opening weekend being between 75 to $80 million. If this happens, it would be the lowest since Eternals back in 2021, but that had the excuse of all brand new characters and coming out toward the end of the pandemic. The Marvels has, well, Captain Marvel in it. And look, Captain Marvel passing a billion was helped quite a bit by the fact it came out right before Avengers Endgame, so fans were wanting anything MCU related. Clearly, with the current state of comic book movies at the box office, and specifically the MCU over the past two years, no one is expecting the Marvels to hit a billion worldwide, right? That's not, that's not the goal. But I would think it should be doable to get close to, if not hit, half a billion like Ant-Man did. Anyway, we will find out soon enough. Now let's talk about the actor strike. First, sang after has sent guidelines for Halloween, saying to not dress up as any characters from movies or shows, and instead, if you if you want to dress up, it should be a generalized character. So, for example, you can dress up as a ghost, but not say Casper the ghost, or as a zombie, spider, etc. So far, the reaction to that hat from from the union members has not been positive, and I kind of get it. It's stupid. Like, I get the point being that you don't want the union members who have been striking to dress up as the most famous characters owned by the studios, but I would say. They should, just for the simple fact that while they might not have legal ownership over them, creatively, they helped bring these characters to life. Like, how many people are going to dress up as Barbie, Ken, and Oppenheimer for Halloween? A lot. And that's due to the films made by cast and crew. Like, no one was dressing up as Oppenheimer last year. Or Ken. You know? But that wasn't the twist I talked about at the start of the episode. No, 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 no that was just something that's going on in general. Uh, this is something different. In the exclusive from Deadline, they reported that a small group of actors came together to talk to the union. Their proposal was to remove the membership cap, which is currently set at $1 million. This would allow the top actors to pay more to the union, and they also want to change the residual structure so that the actors at the bottom of the call sheet for a film or show get paid first and then work up to the top. As for why they are doing this, well, they are pushing for it because they want to strike to end ASAP. And with it at a, getting close to 100 days, it could be lasting longer than the writer's strike. So who is part of the group? It is, its members include George Clooney, Emma Stone, Ben Affleck, Tyler Perry, and Scarlett Johansson, among others. And the group is not being secretive about it either. In fact, George Clooney talked to Deadline about it. 
Here's a quote. Quote, we've offered to remove the cap on dues, which would bring over 50 million to the union annually, well over 150 million over the next three years. We think it's fair for us to pay more into the union. We also are suggesting a bottom-up residual structure, meaning the top of the call sheet would be the last to collect residuals, not the first. These negotiations will be ongoing, but we wanted to show that we're all in this together and find ways to help close the gap on actors getting paid. End quote. As for the union's response, well, it's thank you, but no thank you. That response is not much of a surprise, because even from the optic standpoint, it would show that the negotiation team needed help to get this done, which isn't a good look. So just optic-wise, they weren't going to go for it. But what this also shows is it looks like the actors are starting to get annoyed that it's taking this long to get a deal done. James McAvoy is looking to get behind the camera, with Deadline exclusively reporting that he is getting ready to film his directorial debut. The film is based on the true story of the rap duo Zillable and Brains, who are Scottish, but were able to fool everyone for a long time that they were from California. Sounds like it'll be an interesting movie. Filming is set to begin next year in Scotland. Another film that is getting ready to start production is A Guy Walks Into a Bar. This is another exclusive from Deadline, and it stars Sam Rockwell and Kamal Nanjani, and is directed by Gary Felder. They also got an interim agreement from SAG-AFTRA, so they do not have to wait for the strike to be over. The dark comedy will begin filming by the end of the year. Deadline seems to be getting all the exclusives on the new films this week, as they are reporting on another two films in development. First is In the Hands of Dante, which stars Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, and Gerald Butler. It is a crime thriller directed by Julian Schnabel and is already filming in Italy, as they were able to also secure an interim agreement. The other film is Assassination, which is about a Chicago mob boss who organized the assassination of JFK as retaliation for trying to bring down organized crime. Not sure how accurate that is. Anyway, Barry Levinson is set to direct, and as of now, Al Pacino and Shia LaBeouf are set to star in it. No word on when production will start. Sadly, we did have a death this week with Burt Young passing away at 83 years old. He was known for his role as Paulie in Rocky and starred in other films as well, including Once Upon a Time in America and Chinatown. May he rest in peace, and thoughts and prayers are with his family. Sam Neill also gave an update on his battle with blood cancer. While it is in remission and has been since for a year, uh, he says that eventually the treatment he is on will stop working. Uh, I hope that's not the case, and that it stays in remission for a long, long time. IMAX has reached a deal with Golden Screen Cinemas in Malaysia for six new IMAX layer setups, five in new locations, and one being an upgrade in a current theater. This is a bit noticeable, as with this deal, IMAX has a total of 13 systems ordered for Malaysia this year, which Deadline notes makes it the top growth market internationally for the company. So yeah, while 13 new systems is not a lot, considering IMAX and Golden Screen Cinemas have only started working together since 2019, things are moving fast. IMAX is also expanding more in China with a new deal with Hennigan Films for 20 new IMAX systems with laser all set for new locations, so none are being used to upgrade a current system. The Egyptian theater is set to reopen on November 9th as Netflix has finished renovating it. The company bought the theater back in 2020 and since then has spent three years restoring it. To kick off the reopening on the 9th, they will be showing The Killer and will have a Q&A with David Fincher who directs the film. 
We got numerous trailers this week. First from Sony. We got a new trailer for Anyone But You. This is the rom-com film starring Sidney Sweeney and Glenn Powell. It's set to come out December 22nd. From Neon, we got a trailer for Ferrari. This is the movie about Enzo Ferrari, played by Adam Driver and directed by Michael Mann. It looks interesting enough, and I will probably have to give it a watch. It comes out in theaters on December 25th. Then it was a busy week for Amazon MGM Studios, as they released three new trailers. First, we got a new trailer for Saltburn, directed by Emerald Fennel. It still looks really good, and I'm looking forward to it coming out. Uh, it will be out in a limited release on November 17th, and then go wide on the 22nd. Next up is the first trailer for American Fiction, starring Jeffrey Wright, and directed by Cord Jefferson. This also looks like a must-watch, and could be in the running during award season. It will have a limited release on December 15th, and then go wide December 22nd. Finally, we got the first trailer for The Boys in the Boat, which is directed by George Clooney and based on a true story. It will be released in theaters on December 25th. Uh, clearly, while we don't have a lot of big blockbuster films coming out during the holiday season, we are getting a wide variety of different films, which is nice to see. For VOD Premium, let's start with Max, where it was announced that The Nun 2 will hit the streaming service on October 27th. Having it come out on Max right before Halloween is a smart move, as it has already made what it will get at the box office, which was also a successful run for the movie as well. And again, releasing it right before Halloween gives it maximum impact and interest in people watching. Don't think people would rush to watch it on Max if it, say, dropped on Thanksgiving. Taking a look at Apple TV+, Plus, where Deadline is exclusively reporting that Apple and Skydance are ending their partnership on animation. This means now Skydance will look to find a new partner for Skydance Animation, a project that they were working on called Spellbound, which was set to premiere on Apple TV+, Plus, will now need to find a new home. Apple is letting go of the project, allowing Skydance to shop it. However, this does not mean Apple and Skydance are done being partners, they are still focused on working together to produce live-action shows and films. I can't say I'm surprised that Apple did not want to extend the partnership, as the main thing Skydance produced for them, animation-wise, uh, was the film Luck last year, which kind of came and went. Uh, I'm not sure if Apple is rethinking their strategy for kid content and Apple TV+, Plus, but at least now they're able to keep their options open. The New York Times is exclusively reporting that the problem with Jon Stewart has been cancelled and will not be getting a third season. As for why, well, the Times says Apple and Stewart had disagreements on the topics he would have covered in a potential third season, including artificial intelligence and China. I take it that if Jon Stewart wants to keep doing a similar style show, he will get numerous offers from other companies, and if I, and if I had to take a guess, he might go to Netflix. From Universal, they announced that Oppenheimer will be released on 4K, Blu-ray, and digital on November 21st. No word on when it will go to Peacock, but I would assume it would likely be sometime next spring, maybe around the Oscars. Over at Disney, they are saying Goosebumps' debut episode was watched by 4.2 million in the first three days across Disney Plus and Hulu. That's right, it is available to watch on both platforms which I think only helps increase viewership. Considering Loki's second season opened to 10.9 million views in its first three days, I think this is a solid start for Goosebumps, 
question now is do people keep watching the season? Variety has the exclusive on this, and that is, it was announced that Max will launch in France next summer. This was said at a trade show in Cannes, not only that, but it was said that the company will also be bringing live sports to Max for European customers as well, working on adding the rights they have with Eurosport. This includes tennis matches, as well as the upcoming Summer Olympics. The curious thing about this is Warner Brothers Discovery has a deal with Prime Video in France until the end of 2024 for Warner Pass. This is how Prime Video customers are able to watch content from Warner Brothers Discovery, including films, HBO, Discovery Channel, and more. Potential problem here is that it was supposed to be an exclusive deal. And look, I don't think they would have mentioned this if they didn't have a plan in place. They might have already even talked to Amazon, might pay a fee to break, break or end the contract. Who knows? Still, for the company, launching in France is important because if they really want Max to become a global streaming service, well, you need to be available in the largest European markets. Speaking of Prime Video, they announced that Gen V, the boys' spinoff, has been renewed for a second season. This isn't too much of a surprise as the boys really has become a key franchise for Prime Video TV. Also coming to Prime Video is a BTS concert called BTS Yet to Come. This is a concert film that took place last year and will be available on Prime Video on November 9th. Now let's finish up with Netflix as they have a lot going on. First to third quarter numbers, which were good. The company continues to gain new subscribers with 8.7 million more subs for a worldwide total of 247.1 million. Assuming the fourth quarter is good to them, we will be starting off next year saying Netflix has 250 million subscribers. This was ahead of what analysts expected, which was around 6 million subscribers. Along with this, they decided on changing what they said earlier in the year and that there will be another round of price hikes. However, it will only be in the United States, the UK, and France. Using the United States as the example, the basic plan is being increased from $9.99 to $11.99 per month. Note, this one is not available to sign up for anymore, so this is for customers who still have it. Basically, Netflix wants you to move either up or down on the plan options. For the high-end premium plan, that is increasing to $22.99 monthly. It currently costs $19.99. The other plan prices remain unchanged. As for why the increases, this is what they said in the letter to shareholders. Quote, while we mostly paused price increases as we rolled out paid sharing, our overall approach remains the same. A range of prices and plans to meet a wide range of needs, and as we deliver more value to our members, we occasionally ask them to pay a bit more. End quote. I can't say I'm surprised about it. The reason being is it's clear they want people on the ad tier plan. Yes, they will keep the ad-free plans around, but you're going to have to pay for it. And at this point, I'm curious how far they're going to keep pushing it. Is it going to be $25 for the premium plan? 30 Also something worth noticing is how much Netflix is spending on content this year has dropped quite a bit. They are now expecting to spend $13 billion on content for the year, down from the expected $17 billion. Part of this is clearly due to the strikes, as it's hard to spend money buying projects if you can't negotiate with actors and writers. But for Netflix, they are able to save that money, and as we have seen with these numbers, they can continue to grow. As for what is coming to Netflix, Deadline is exclusively reporting. 
that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse will be available on Netflix on October 31st, at least in the U.S. And remember, we just talked about Apple and Skydance ending their animation partnership a few minutes ago. Well, Skydance already got a new deal as they have partnered up with Netflix. That's right, Skydance now has a multi-year partnership with Netflix for Skydance Animation. And the film that they are working on, called Spellbound, right? Well, that will also be heading to Netflix sometime in 2024. That was quick. Netflix is dipping their toes into live sports by hosting their own live sports event called the Netflix Cup. It'll feature Formula One drivers against professional golfers playing golf in Las Vegas ahead of the upcoming Formula One race there. The event will start on November 14th. I think this is a good move by Netflix to get some practice in streaming live sports to see how they can handle it before looking to buy rights to games, if they want to do that. Sounds like it could be a fun event as well. Lastly, Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos mentioned in the quarterly numbers interview that he expects streaming data to become more transparent in the future and that it will be readily available like data for films and TV shows. Hopefully he is right about that. I would love to review the streaming data and see what's actually hit and what's not. And that's it for this episode of Box Office Receipts. If you want to follow me on X, Threads, Instagram, or Facebook, links to those are in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.